Okay. So we are starting now chapter 29, which means we are continuing now to the second trait we need to uproot. Chapter 26, 27, and 28 was instructing us, don't be sad. Don't fall into depression. Chapter 29 and 30 instruct us, don't allow yourself to have a stone-like heart. Don't have apathy. Don't have indifference. And this is such a tremendous problem that the Rebbe actually gives us three different techniques to uproot this stone-like heart, which in our current jargon is when someone says, I don't care. I don't care. I know, I know, I know, I know everything, but I don't care. That's a stone-like heart. The bulk of 29 is the first technique. The end of 29 is the second technique. And the entire chapter 30 is the third technique. So chapter 29 begins by expressing this issue that sometimes the Benoni could fall into this coldness in his heart. A coldness that could become so thick your heart becomes like a stone and you can't open your heart. The first place we see this affecting us in our prayer. Prayer is supposed to be service of the heart. But if your heart is stone-like, you can't move your heart in prayer. Another area where it would progress to will be in the area of sanctifying yourself in the permissible. Because the very open-ended concept, do I really have to? It's not forbidden. I don't know if I'm so moved to give God this gift. In other words, the coldness of your heart creeps into you a, a coldness, an apathy, an indifference. No, you're still a Benoni. You're not going to transgress. And you can do everything you have to do. But do I have to do this? If I don't have to do this, I'm not going to do it. This is a big problem because once we start shutting down on our prayers, once we start looking at God with that microscope of, do I have to? Is it an obligation? Is it a transgression? It's just a, a downward slide. And obviously the person would stop being abandoned fairly quickly. So what do we do? So the other here is going to give us advice that seems very in contradiction with the normal approach of Hasidus. But again, we view this as an extreme illness, and therefore we take extreme measures for the cure, almost as if chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is a horrible thing. It's killing cells. But the, wor the other option is even worse. So because the disease is so bad, we're willing to have someone suffer all of the horrors of chemotherapy to save them from the disease. So similarly here, we're going to give very harsh advice to cure yourself. But the sickness is so bad, we're willing to give you harsh advice. And then we spend a chapter mopping up the problems from that advice. And that is chapter 31. So what's the advice? Well, in the heavenly schools, the yeshiva going on in Gan Eden, it brings a concept. This is kind of a thick block of wood. And it's not catching fire because it's a thick block of wood. What do you have to do? You have to chop it up. And then it's in small splinters, and the fragments will easily catch fire. So similarly, if we have a body 
that's not catching the fire of the soul, it has to be smashed. So again, smashing is not our normal mode of going to. It's not our normal operative mode. But in this case, it's a really bad illness. We need a very severe cure. So we need to smash the body to open up the body to the voice of the soul and smash away the stone in the heart. Because the person understands, but he's not getting excited. His heart's not catching fire of excitement, of enthusiasm, of serving God because of the coarseness, the stone-like quality that's entered into his heart. So how do I smash my heart? How do I smash my body? You take time to think thoughts that would break you. Literally. Now, in this chapter, we're talking about a very holy person, a Benoni. And therefore, the Rebbe, so to speak, has to work a bit hard to come up with thoughts that can smash the Benoni. And the Rebbe is going to give, starting tomorrow, four thoughts a Benoni can think about. And even a holy person as a Benoni can truly feel crushed. And when you crush your body, you're crushing the animal soul embedded in your heart. And you crush and remove the body and animal soul's grip, and then the heart opens up again and can feel. Now, for the rest of us, they're not Benonim, and we're not such holy people, we don't have to work as hard to come up with thoughts that can crush us. But we have to do the same technique. We have to come up with the thoughts, and we have to take the time to sincerely, earnestly, think those crushing thoughts until we feel crushed. Now, why do I want to crush my body again? Because in a regular person, not in a saint, not in a tzaddik, the body and the animal soul have become fused. Incredibly tight partnership going on. So what I really, really want to do is crush my animal soul. Because the animal soul is what's putting this coldness, this stone-like lack of feeling in my heart. But how do I touch an animal soul? How do I reach an animal soul? Well, I can reach my body. I can reach my emotional heart. And by reaching my body and my heart with thoughts that will break my body and break my heart, I can thereby crush the animal soul that's so firmly embedded in my heart. And then I loosen her grip on the heart, and the heart can once again be a feeling heart. And this is true for all people exclusive of the saint, as we actually see in our prayers, that we say in our prayer every morning, in the morning blessings, the soul that you gave me, she is pure. Now, why is that a strange sentence, the soul that you gave me, she is pure? Aren't we our soul? What do you mean the soul you gave me? There's a me exclusive of my soul? I thought the soul is me. But that shows us in a working level reality, the person has a sense of I, body, a.k.a. animal soul, and to this body, you gifted me something called a godly soul. In truth, again, in the inner level of self, the I of the Jew is the godly soul. But in my working reality, I envision my I as my body, which is such close, tight friends with my animal soul. And this is true for everyone except the saint. And by the subject, by the saint, it's the opposite. To him, his body is an appendage. And what he views as self is his godly soul. Like there's an incident that's recounted in the Talmud of Hillel, the age sage Hillel, that he told his students he's going to eat. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
He did not tell his students he's going to eat. He told his students he's going to do a favor for a poor unfortunate. And he left. Came back a while later. The next day he again said, oh, I have to go. I have to do a favor for a poor unfortunate. And he left. Maybe it took day three when the students were curious enough that they decided courageously they're going to follow him and see what poor unfortunate he's taking care of every day. And they followed him, and they saw he was eating. He was eating. But where's who's? What's the poor unfortunate? And he very sincerely said his body was a poor unfortunate, and he was taking care of her. He was feeding her. And this was not meant facetiously. This was meant completely, genuinely, sincerely. Because to a saint like Hillel, his body is an appendage, and he's being nice and feeding her. That's the saint. But for the rest of us, even though it's not the ultimate truth, but in our reality, my eye is my body, and my body is tightly intertwined with my animal soul, and therefore, when I think thoughts to emotionally crush myself, I'm crushing body, which means I'm crushing animal soul, which means I'm freeing my heart from this grip that's giving it its stone-like qualities, which means my heart can once again feel again, which is the goal. And God willing, tomorrow, we'll discuss the thoughts the Benuni can think to emotionally crush himself. And again, for the rest of us, we can make our own private list of things we can think about to crush ourselves, to free ourselves from the stone-like quality of apathy in our hearts.